it was summer, about 25 years ago or so. Um, I had just woke up early one morning before everybody else in the house had woke up to get ready for the day, and I was stumbling into the bathroom, um, wiping sleep from my eyes and still trying to get the cobwebs from my brain. The night before, it had been a beautiful summer evening with a light breeze, and we had opened up all the windows in the house to kind of draw in that breeze to kind of um, help us go to sleep that night and just hoping it was going to be a great evening. It was that breeze that caught my attention as I walked into the bathroom and I looked at the window. As I walked up to it, all of a sudden I realized there's not a screen in that window. What was going on? It was then that I looked down and I first noticed the grassy footprints on the floor. And suddenly light bulbs started going off in my head. We had been broken into. My first thought was to run into the kids' room, make sure that they were okay, and sure enough, they were sound asleep in their beds. They were fine. And then all of a sudden, another thought struck me. Whoever broke into our house might still be in the house. So I ran back to Lisa, and I woke her up, and we went in and grabbed the kids out of bed, and then we hightailed it out of there and called the cops. Well... When the police came and they did a, uh, a search of the house, they determined that whoever had broken into the house was gone. In fact, they figured what happened was this, that they had come into the, through that window and realized that the house was occupied and turned around immediately and left out the same window because we couldn't tell that they had been at any other place in the house, nothing was disturbed, and everything was okay. Now, you may be thinking, no harm done. Everything is fine, nothing, nobody got hurt, nothing was stolen, life can go on as normal. Well, it didn't for Lisa and I. You see, up to that point in our lives, we were pretty naive. We were two kids from small town Iowa, and worrying about a thief breaking in in the night was the farthest thing from our minds. But from that point forward, never again did we go to bed with the house open up because we were going to be prepared the next time. Now, why do I share this with you today? Well, it's because I'm wondering whether some of you are like Lisa and I were before that event. Oh, not about somebody um, breaking into your house at night, but are you naive and unprepared with regards to Christ coming? as a thief in the night. This morning what I want to do is I want to point you to a scripture that is literally begging us not to be naive and unprepared because Christ is going to return and we need to be ready. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to Revelation chapter 3 and as you're doing that, I'll give you a little context of what was going on uh, for our passage for today. There at the beginning of Revelation, Jesus is giving a spiritual checkup, if you will, to the church of that day. There's actually seven churches that he's given these spiritual checkups to. Most scholars believe that each of those seven churches actually existed back
back then, but they also believed that each of those seven churches actually represented the church universal, meaning that the, the spiritual condition, the health of those churches represented the, the different stages of health that all churches might be going through in the course of their lives. Well, the particular um, church that Jesus was talking to in Revelation chapter 3 was the church of Sardis. Now, what can we know about the church of Sardis? Well, we know that the city of Sardis was actually a very affluent city in uh, the country of Greece. And Sardis was actually built right on the cliff of, of, of a mountain. And why was that? Well, the city planners, I guess you could say, determined that this was a position that if the city was ever attacked, that they would be able to defend themselves well from that position, um, which was probably true had they been prepared. The fact of the matter is, though, they weren't. Two times, actually, up to this point in history anyway, two times that city had already been attacked and sacked um, by invaders. And you might say, well, how is that possible if they were so well fortified and in such a great position? Well, it was because they realized that they were in such a great position. They thought because of where they were at that they didn't really have to be prepared for an attack. And when they weren't, they got sacked. It wasn't good. Well, funny thing is, that same attitude, that spirit of unpreparedness, had infiltrated the church. They found themselves kind of being spiritually lazy, if you will, or lethargic um, because of the affluence of the community, because they felt safe. They didn't think they needed to be prepared. So, in Revelation chapter uh, 3, verses 2 and 3, Jesus says this, speaking kind of his spiritual report card over um, the church of Sardis. He says, wake up! He says, take hold of the faith that you've been taught before it dies. Because God has examined your deeds and found them lacking. He goes on to say this. Therefore, remember what you have been ta taught and repent. Because if you don't wake up, when I return, it will be as a thief in the night. And you won't be prepared. Now, what was Jesus actually saying to these people? Was he saying, you guys are sinners, you're bad people, um, God can't love you? Of course he wasn't saying that. Actually, what he was saying, he wasn't saying that they were wrong or sinful in what they were doing at all. What he was saying was, you guys are lazy. You've forgotten why you do what you do. Um... You do things because that's the way you've always done things. Does that sound familiar? He said, wake up. Be passionate. Remember who you are and whose you are. Because I am coming back, Jesus said, and you need to be prepared. Now, do you think there's anything unique about the church of Sardis? I don't think there's anything unique about that church at all. In fact, let me give you some spiritual, biblical statistics to back up what my point. 
Did you know that there are five different places in the New Testament where God uses the same imagery, the, th- the imagery of Christ returning as a thief in the night to wake us up? On top of that, on total, there are 24 different scriptures that talk about the sudden and unexpected return of Christ. All of them begging us to be prepared, to not be naive, because Christ is going to return, and it's our responsibility as the church to sound the call. But how can we do that if we're not ready? In a lot of ways, the the people of Sardis remind me of us, of us Americans. They were affluent, life was good, and they expected life to be good. Problem is this. It's not always good, as we're experiencing right now, right? I got to tell you, I love the privilege and the, and the blessings that we have as Americans. But I fear that, that that blessing could easily become our curse if it causes us to become um, complacent, if it causes us to, to believe that this is just the way life is supposed to be. If anything comes from this coronavirus situation that we find, our, find ourselves in right now, if it causes to, as us to wake up and to, to know that life isn't always good and we can't expect tomorrow to be as good as today, that's going to be a great blessing because Christ is returning. And we can't be complacent. We can't be spiritually lazy. We must be prepared. God is begging us as the church to be prepared because it's our job as the church to, to proclaim to the world that Christ is coming, to prepare anyone who will listen that Christ shall return and that if we're not ready, his return will be as a thief in the night. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we come before you today, we, we admit to you that we are oftentimes complacent spiritually lazy, comfortable. And all those things that we perceive as blessings um, are until they become a curse. My prayer is, Lord, that that we won't take our blessings for granted, that we will um, be prepared, that we won't be naive, that that we will hear these warning calls from you, that Christ shall return, and that it is our job as the church to proclaim that truth to a world that that needs to know that can know if only they will if only they will listen we love you jesus and we thank you for the privilege that we have to be called to such a, a wonderful and and powerful and important ministry to prepare the world for your coming in the meantime remind us that that one of the ways we get people to listen is by being gracious and kind, by being humble, by um, taking care of the least and the lost in the world, and by taking advantage of every opportunity that we have to be your hands and your feet and your voice in the world in which we live. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Earlier we sang about how if we pray and we ask God for a vision, He will be faithful to provide one. And not only will He provide us with a vision, He will also provide us a way to see it through. That's what our scripture reading is all about today. 
we're going to be reading a really familiar psalm, Psalm 23. And this psalm is often read at funerals, but I think this applies to many other dark times in our lives as well. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 4. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In short, what this psalm is saying is that God is a way maker. In the most troubling of times, he provides us the means to keep going. He is a beacon of light in the darkness. He is a promise keeper. So as we sing, praise his name that he hasn't left or forsaken us and that he loves us. Thank you. 
Thanks for joining us in worship this morning, everybody. Uh, and I hope you're enjoying your Memorial Day weekend. Uh, I want you to take some time during the weekend, though, to remember all the sacrifices that were made to provide the freedom that we have, but especially remember the sacrifice that Christ made because it's in Him that we have our greatest freedom. One last thing before we go. I want to remind you that next Sunday, May 31st at 9.30, we're going to be having and celebrating our first drive-in worship experience at Prairie Bible. We're going to be doing it at the Hughes Horse Farm, which is the place where um, Prairie Bible was born, for those of you who aren't aware. It's going to be safe. We're going to be practicing social distancing, but it'll be a chance to be together in some form or fashion, and we'd love you to come out if you could. So thanks for being with us, and hope to see some of you next week too.